All right, everybody. We got Ken Vick, Velocity Sports Performance Vibe Recovery Center. Ken, thank you so much for being here. We're going to be talking about consultations, and this is something that I posted on Twitter. Hey, is there any topics that anyone wants to hear about? And Ken graciously said, hey, let's talk about consultations. So, Ken, I'm going to come out with you the hardest question of the day. What do you charge for a consultation and why? It does vary, but here, here's the biggest thing. I won't do hours. I won't do small project pieces. The smallest thing we'll do right now is, okay, if I got to set up a problem or a solution for you, it's at least $2,500. Uh, if we're talking days, um, it's going to be somewhere around $4,000 a day. That obviously scales up and down, well, down depending on quantity and what we're doing. And then if it's beyond me and I'm bringing in our teams or different people, there's other things that go into that. But I think one of the big ones for me is I don't want to answer small things because they usually fail. If you want to get an hour of my time to just talk about something, okay, fine, we're talking. Uh, but most cases, I got to know more. I got to learn more. And that's something I've learned in the business side, in the business world. Just talking a bunch isn't all that valuable. I actually need to understand to be able to give you something. So doing it for an hour or two, I don't even do it. So I guess the follow up on that. So I guess is going back into your you know history where you're became the owner of Velocity and um, or one of the owners, right? I guess the best way to describe that. Yeah. And probably had a firsthand education on just how hard it is to run a business and um, a scaled business. And not only that, something that you still want to have a really good quality product that delivers high performance. You know, what in that experience of being an entrepreneur and a business owner and all that stuff that like, you know, made you come to that conclusion? I don't want to solve big problems, not small problems. Oof. I don't know that there's one thing um, that there's running a business is a huge part of it because you are constantly solving problems. You're trying to understand problems, define problems, come up with solutions. And as you do that, you pretty much you, you very quickly learn there are no silver bullets. And a lot of people, I think a lot of small business owners, uh, as we got involved with Velocity before we were on the owner side, we see so many of these people are looking for a silver bullet to solve their business. And it doesn't work that way. So you learn, you have to ask questions, you have to analyze, you have to think. So there's that side, running the business, being forced to do that. Uh, and then on the other side, I was fortunate on our sports performance, human performance side to be involved in some projects with other outside business consultants who really opened my eyes to this part of the process. And I just don't know how to do it without doing it well. So I struggle with those canned generic answers. So that's an interesting uh, segue because it's, it's pretty common practice to bring in outside help, right? Like we have accountants, we have lawyers, we have business consultants, you know, and I think there's this like element where I was foreign to it when I opened up my own business that having people seek your advice and counsel felt at one point in my career like an amazing flattering comment I'm like damn i really want to pick your brain and grab your insight and and i was thinking about it long and hard about working within the athletic departments that i work with like we're all just vying for attention in a lot of ways we want to have that notoriety we want to have that credit we want to have that claim because we're just better or worse where the servant-minded g shucks golly type of people that <laughs> you know like seen but never heard kind of thing and then when a coach calls you like oh man i love the video you posted and i can tell you some high profile people that 
you know, I can remember calling me and thinking how flattered I was and then flip it a couple years later when I'm owning my own business and how, how draining that was and how that just completely became inverted of like, I almost was insulted when someone called me and asked me for my time, if they weren't willing to compensate me and pay for me for that time. Cause I looked at it two ways, either I'm enabling a competitor or they're taking away from actual time spent on my business that actually yeah. has a monetary value. Oh, I yeah. struggle with that. But you have that conscious awareness of like, all right, I'm a business owner and I wanted to bring in an outside consultant from like a business consultant. And maybe they look at your books. Maybe they look at your marketing. Maybe they look at your sales strategy. Maybe they look at the overall like ecosystem of uh, the P&Ls and uh, how we manage from person walking through the door to them going through a session to, you know, close one, close lost, all that stuff. And, you know, that person sees this big like web of coherence, of a lot of things going on simultaneously that makes your business function and operate, you know, what would you pull from that and say, okay, there's a, there's something that I can parlay from that for that next person or that coach who calls me when I'm having to solve a big problem, maybe even specific to an athletic department. Cause I think you've done a, I know you've done a lot with like, you know, international actual like Olympic committees and then different sports teams. So like that education off of what you got from your business consultants or anyone else you brought in to help you run your business more effectively into the next person. Ooh, a lot of pieces to unpack there. So here, here's some of the thoughts. Um, we can go down a lot of directions with this, but I mean, first of all, if you are sharing information, right? And if you think you have something of value, it's reasonable to charge for it. So to, you know, people running their business, you're, you know, you're in a much different boat when you have to keep that business going, whether it's growing, it's scaling, it's sustaining. Um, you rely on it. Your family relies on it. Your employees rely on it. Okay. There are people that are making their livelihood in your business. So it changes it. I mean, look, I love elite sports and being part of a team, but there's different factors driving you when you're on the private side. And you have to recognize those really quickly. If you're just going to be ultra altruistic, you know, that's great if you can do it. Uh, but when there's people that rely on you, it's different. So I think that makes it easier once you realize you have value and you have to choose where you put your time and energy, what's important to you. And I love teaching, dude, I love helping new coaches learn. I help growing, love help growing system. That part excites me, but I gotta make sure it's actually doing something to get the other things I want in life, the way I wanna live, the way I wanna treat people. Um, so it becomes easier, I think. And then, you know, if I take that question a different way and I go, okay, how does that affect things going forward? Or how does that affect how you actually operate? That's a whole nother side of it. Um, I've learned a lot from other consultants. Like you said, on the business side, there's marketing and professionals in systems or in your, you know, your business. But even on the performance side of this, I would say my approach, our business approach train, changed massively once we started thinking of ourselves as consultants, not as strength coaches, not as physical therapists, not as recovery people. When we changed our outlook to, okay, we are consultants for you, our value is entirely different. Go into an Olympic committee or a team or even an individual athlete. Don't just be a strength coach, be a consultant for them. Um, and that can take you in so many different directions. Like it blew my mind the first time I saw this done well. And instead of walking in with like prepackaged solutions, 
there was a process there because this goes a little bit to what you're asking about on time. Right? If I have a product, that's a solution. My answer is to always do hang cleans in a five by five followed by four squat, whatever your program is, if that's what I'm delivering, well, shit, that's not that valuable. Okay, here, here's an hour and here's what it costs. It's $30 a month on, you know, whatever software platform you're doing. That's not that valuable. The problem solving, using the years of experience I have, our teams have, um, that's entirely different. So it's a very different mindset as opposed to coming in, here's my hammer. Everybody, my old hammer was Olympic weightlifting. I was Olympic weightlifting the whole day coach. That was my hammer. So that was, everybody was a nail and that's what I used. But if now I'm solving problems and looking at all this, it's easy to feel reasonable, feel that it's entirely acceptable and feel like we're giving an awesome value when we solve real problems. And I think problem solving in all honesty, Tim, it's pretty missing in our field. I guess that goes into the next question because you're running your business and you know, I, I, there's an element which I don't think a lot of people talk about with small business in general is this like purgatory effect or like ball and shackles, right? Like you either working on your business or your business is working on you kind of thing. And I look at it from the context of when we run our business, we just get wrapped up in it. Right. And we're like, Oh shoot. You know, and I, I was just talking about this with an employee yesterday with, you know, my ability to lead and manage is predicated off of your ability to do your job. And when you show up to work and you do everything you're supposed to do, that's all I need for the credit. But on the other end, I could tell you at the end of the month, it'd be easier and more cost effective. I just did it for you. And I could save money on the business and then I could make more money. But that's not building, that's not solving big problems. And that's not figuring out how am I going to be able to, you know, 50 access or how am I going to be able to, you know, have this thing run without me being here and where hopefully, you know, she felt was like, I have more autonomy. I feel more enabled to make decisions. I feel more empowered. Uh, and I'm looking at it from, okay, I could do this now somewhere else and I could do this in another thing. And that's right. And I think when you condition yourself off of that versus like, I can save money if I just do it myself or I can do it better than everyone else is doing it. You know, you, you get locked in and you have this like literally like a leash that's holding you to this pole called your small business. And I don't think you really get that perspective until you bring someone else out there like, well, why do you do that? You know, why are you doing these like daily mundane things? Like you can outsource that. You can pay someone else to do it. You can get someone else doing it to the level that you're doing unless you feel insecure about your absolute role and you become guarded and territorial. But I guess the question I would have off of that is, you know, did you have that revelation yourself when you were just coaching and running the business and like, hey, I, there's a certain point where I really need to start thinking about scaling this and evolving from basically just coach business owner into something larger or bigger? Was there like a moment or was there like something that you just I got fed up doing the same stupid thing every single week or a person calls out and I'm like it's just chaos like every day? Um, you know that what was that revelation moment for you? I don't think there's one. I think there's several that jumped to my mind when you asked that. Um, so a couple things jumped to mind. I think for me, it starts still coaching, focused on that side of it. But somewhere along the line, coaching, you're going to realize you don't have all the skills. There, there's something you can't handle, whether it's you're great at strength and you need somebody that's good at physiology, whether it's an injury problem, a sports psychology problem. At some point, 
if you have any awareness and you care about your athletes, you're going to realize you need help. So I think that's kind of a first step of understanding, oh, there's other people who are going to need to do things. And if I'm actually trying to do every single thing, probably not great at all. So that's, I think that's a kind of a jumping off point for me, knowing that I can be good at a lot of things. And I would say I'm a generalist anyways, um, but I want a whole lot of people that are better. So that kind of starts it. Then as I go forward for me, it's okay, running a bigger business, I was fortunate. Uh, I ended up with a business partner who was coming from entirely different field. He'd been at Hughes and DirecTV and he was a business guy and he had a great outlook on having systems, having processes to be able to scale. Massive influence on me, uh, really important. And then I think it goes on to opening locations outside of our own. When we opened our first location that was away from us, and because of circumstances, our uh, second location was actually in Salt Lake City as opposed to being here in the LA area. Uh, so we had something at distance. We had pretty good processes. We thought we were pretty smart. We did a fairly good job. You opened a second place, there's a whole lot of stuff you didn't realize you didn't know. You thought you had stuff locked in and you find out you don't. So that was big. And as you do more locations, those, those show up. So there's a starting belief that getting help from others is a good thing. So that starts. Seeing those processes and going through the, the experience of why you need them, really big. And then I think finally expanding on that for me was as we started consulting, particularly overseas. Going into any organization is important, but when you start going into a different culture, um, you, you go into, for us it was, the big one was China. We had done a lot of different things, different places, but when we started doing work in China, it was so different because it's a different culture. It's a different system, bureaucracy, language. Holy shit, it's gonna blow your mind on how many things you have to reevaluate how you're approaching. Yeah, I guess I, my follow up question on that, because that's a really interesting segue. You know, the opportunity cost from now, you're essentially creating two businesses, right? Where you have your, your day job and then you have this other thing where it's like, you know, I, I know some of the coaches you were able to get jobs over in China. Like, there's probably a conversation of like, are they better served here domestically with me and my day to day? Or are they better served, you know, externally and kind of having an inventory with them of their goals and aspirations and what they want. But like, you know, it's almost like taking from Peter, taking from Peter to pay Paul. Like you, you, you don't want to cannibalize your day to day. But the other part of it, too, it's like a really good opportunity. So when at what point with like, let's just say China and you're you're still pretty heavily involved with velocity, you're running that. And, you know, at what point you're like, OK, let's diversify here and. I guess you can call that a horizontal integration, right? Where you kind of go, now we have a different revenue stream in feeding into this big thing. At what point are you evaluating the opportunity cost versus the actual like, I gotta push that off to the side. It's a great idea and I'm flattered, but I need to hold off on that because I gotta focus here. Like, And then like, how do you make that decision to, I'm gonna take that on or I'm just gonna focus on this? Like what, what's the deciding factor for you on that? Oh, dude, I, I wish I had smoother answers because we have screwed that one up thoroughly at times. Um, <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. It, it, it costs. And in other ways, it worked well. But, dude, it's, it's hard. Uh, I think we got smarter. I would actually even go back further. Opening up other centers, um, we took on. So at one point, so I ended up in Velocity by accident. 
open in a different place and met the guy that was open in a velocity. I wanted to get to know who my competition was. I'd say, that's a nice way of saying spine or kind of figure out who I was going to compete against. He was a good guy. We figured out it was better together. So we started this, got another one. Then we opened one in Santa Clarita. We took over managing one in Irvine. And that process in itself was huge. Okay. There was opportunity cost there because we saw we had a solid, profitable, well-running business in our main location in Redondo Beach where we started. We felt and saw the impact every time we opened another place because it, at best, it just distracted us. Uh, at worst, it started spreading our team thinner or changed resources. So that was the first one. Then you start going totally different, international versus domestic. So messed it up. I've seen it cut into our growth, our profits at different places. Also seen where it helped. So I don't have a good answer. Um, I am still navigating that one, dude. I think the best part for me is I recognize it now. Kind of always knew it in theory, but living it, now it holds a much higher importance in all of my decision making. Uh, great, if we're gonna do something new, it's going to cost. And, and I would even tell you, and you know, see where you think on this in your own business, but even within a single business, if we're even gonna serve another market or another niche, or, or you're gonna take anything, even in that same business, not changing big stuff, it's gonna have an opportunity cost, just in mental and emotional bandwidth. Well, I'm sure you deal with it all the time of like the, all right, we are training athletes and you can see our space. We have a lot of open space. We have track, we have turf. And then the, the inevitable, like, hey, mi middle of the day, we got some opportunity here. Can we do something with an adult gen pop? Can we do something with tactical? Can we do something with other like entities? Everything. And, and then you start to evaluate that. And I've had this actually, I, I mean, for the folks that don't know, actually my first like performance job was interning at a velocity in Longmanor, Massachusetts. And like, I saw it firsthand of like, this is a big footprint. The only way this place is really going to keep the lights on is if they start to bring in outside things. And then it gets into this very interesting conversation when that starts going well and you start making a profit off of that, or you start really getting some good revenue off of that. And you have to go, are we going to have to pivot? And when I opened up our first Allegiant, there was always these like, we were focused on gen pop. We walk in our room, there's no high speed treadmills, there's no place to run. So sorry, athletes, we really can't accommodate you. We're going to prioritize gen pop. But they always get this question of like, well, if that NFL guy calls me and like shoot flattering, potentially it's a really good opportunity for me from a social media, um, the aspirational quality of it. I only want to go at this time. What's a peak time for a gen pop people? Yeah, sorry. Like, can't do that. I, I can't accommodate that because these other customers are going to be here for the next 50 weeks and you're only going to be here for two. And I'm not just going to stop everything. And then the other part, when things aren't going well and you're like, hey, have you ever thought about doing more of like a, a boot camp or like, you know, like circuit style stuff, like other gym concepts are doing really well with? Like, you know, maybe it was ego, maybe it was pride. Like, I didn't open this place to do that. And when you get into that like critical threshold off of like, hey, maybe it's you have to pivot because more revenue coming in because you have to realize like, you know, that the more money we can make throughout the day in these non-peak times, okay, the better your business is going to be. But on the other end is be careful because they might, you might be really good at it and people really like it. And then you have a hard conversation of like, we might need to lean in on that direction. And it's just, and I think the same thing why like I created this is like I was getting constant requests from strength coaches asking me for 
a minute of my time. And when you asked, hey, I want to really talk about consultations, you know, ding, ding, ding. You know, this is the exact premise behind this because I was getting bombarded and I was flattered, but it was hard because I have all these other things I have to worry about, all these people I have to worry about. And it's a time expense from people that really need me to be more supportive and, and just appreciative of them. And then in the other end goes into like, I don't want to be no, but I really can't do it unless there's actually some monetary compensation behind it. And the, the note of like, I'll be honest, like the big picture idea is really good. And I would say where I come up short from a consultation is I think small term. And I think, hmm. are you called me and you have a problem? Let's just start work through it. And like, awesome. And I try to give my best, in, best interest, best interest and in my most time and I prepare as much as possible. But yeah, I'm not looking systemically at it, which maybe is a subconscious thing to protect me or safeguard There's me. There's a lot of that, dude. I, I think our profession doesn't do it. Yeah. I, so here's where I would actually look at it. And this, I think, is something that a lot of people with expertise who have gone through this field and have developed some actual skills can think about. Um, too often, people in the space walk in with solutions. So yes, I strengthen stuff. Yes, I do ISO. Yes, I do strengthening with cupping and blood flow restriction and we get ACLs, they come in with really a product. And I'm, I'm gonna argue it might not even be a service. It's almost really a product. They've packaged something. Or we get suckered into going, okay, we need a strength coach. Great, and I've been there, I've done that, that that's awesome. But do they? Sometimes it's really not. So we, we have all these preconceptions about what the solution is. And that's going to limit on strictly like, you know, selfish for any individual growing their business or their own role. That means you're delivering that product to that group. And that's there. That's great. But if you really have skill, um, if you've developed your ability to do this stuff, you can now go solve problems. And that's the missing piece. Don't be somebody that just delivers a product. Be a problem solver because that's what has increasing value. We we know we're in the beginning age of AI uh, and it can't do it yet, okay? It's not there yet, but if you put in the right parameters in chat GPT right now, you can write a halfway decent program. Writing a generic program has less and less value by the week. Solving a problem, understanding a problem, being able to lead an organization, an individual, an athlete, a business through a process having frameworks you can use and help them through it. Now you have a much different value to people. You are protected against competition because everybody's got something on, you know, train heroic or bridge. It's out there. So what do you really do? And I think there's a lot of good practitioners in our field who still aren't thinking that way. I, I was talking to a longtime coach who's been high level pros, Olympic college. He's done all this stuff. And he wasn't even thinking about consulting. He was thinking about another role, either going the traditional ways, right? I'm going to go sell equipment or I'm going to find a new job at a college or be I'm like, dude, go be a consultant. You have expertise that's massive in this domain. Start finding all those organizations that are that can use that. So I think changing your mindset to really one for me of problem solving, which means curiosity, creating uh, creativity, having processes, it, it changes the game if you want to do these things. Yeah. So, so going back to taking on other projects while running Velocity, was there like a certain number of times you were getting requested to do outside things? You're just like, 
all right, screw it. I'm going to do this. Or is it just like you kind of had that, that game plan to get another revenue stream in all along? Um, evolved a couple ways. The consulting really, two things that drove the consulting. One, dude, I didn't want to do any pro business when we opened our place, but they kept showing up at the door. Like you said, uh, you're starting a small business, you got space and time. So more than anything else, the fact that it helped our marketing and our brand positioning, kept doing the pro stuff. And that kept leading to more and more people asking for things that you go, okay, great. I realized we had value. And that probably took a little while, uh, honestly, Tim, to really, truly, deeply say, oh, no, no, it's okay. What we're doing is valuable. I should charge a bunch for this because they're going to get value. They're, it's their career and how they make money. But it took me a while to get there. So it took doing a good job and people asking me to go oh, slap yourself upside the head and realize it. Uh, and then I think, two, we were on the business side. So our business was actually profitable and most losses were really crap. They weren't making money. It's just reality. It's not, no secret. That's why a lot went away. That's so funny um, too, because that's a really good point. You lived it. No, everyone does. I mean, every business is, like service-based industries aren't that lucrative. It doesn't get yeah. lucrative until you get some sort of brand or so it doesn't get some sort of like uh, bigger perception of what it is. But like yeah. most of us mom and pop folks are just walking around hustling oh, to break even. It's just a massive job. It's, it's it brutal. But we actually had a place that ran. So same thing though, we kept getting asked in this case, it was kind of within velocity uh, as a franchise. And there's, you know, at that point, I don't know, 50, 60 different franchisees open. Uh, but we're getting asked all the time about that. How do you run your business? How do you do all the little things from, you know, how do you hire coaches? How do you retain them? How do you make sure they clean up the chalk when it's on the floor? And, and we're like, oh, there's something here. And we ended up, instead of first selling individually, we ended up kind of selling it back to the company itself. Even though we were a franchisee, we became a consultant for the franchise, uh, which evolved over time to more and more of it and then changing the role we had. So those are kind of two paths that both led to, yeah, what we do is useful. Let's figure out how to make it worth our time. Interesting. So I guess my follow-up question on that, because you're kind of playing big, the big, trying to get the big catch, trying to get the big tuna now. We're getting these, you know, these bigger projects. The sales process for you, like someone's kicking tires if you can, like, I, you know, I really want to start to get your brain on this. Like, you know, from the, cause my reaction would be, Hey Tim, I want to pick your brain $400. That's it. Like, I'm not talking to you until you pay me like kind of thing. Yeah. That's get my money and move on. Right. That's not playing the long game there, which I'm assuming you got to have a little bit softer approach and a little bit bigger lead up and kind of like the, the whining and dining, so to speak. Now, how are you evaluating whether like, and I guess you have to get a lot of time in before you can realize this, but people are just kind of kicking tires and window shopping versus like, Hey, I'm going to cultivate this relationship to have that, you know, that opportunity to have this you know, bigger project with them one day. Like, how do you evaluate that in a day to day? I'm like, I'm skeptical yeah. by nature and I really struggle with this person. <laughs> no, I hear you. So it is a big one. Um, I, I, here's what I'd say. You got to have a sales process, right? On that consulting role on those bigger things, you have a sales process and eventually have people helping with that. So you are spending time and resources to literally do that, to both evaluate opportunities, people knocking on your door and calling. Um, there's a little bit of just, you start creating some frameworks in all honesty, we started creating some frameworks about what we thought was real and what wasn't and how we judge that. But then we pretty early, quickly moved to, okay, we'll do this to talk to you. 
will define what that looks like. I'll build a little bit of a relationship. It's part of the sales process. But at this point, this becomes our initial consultation. Maybe you're not ready as we're selling this to an organization to commit to a full um, you know, year contract with all these services, but we'll help you define the problem. Instead of me sitting with you as a sales process and you're just picking my brain looking for answers, okay, if that's what you need, here's how we do it. We have a consultation. This became franchises and locations too. Great. You don't know if you want to do this. You don't know enough to know what you don't know. So as I educate you through the sales process, I'm giving you value. So at this point now, I'm going to start charging. So here's our base consultation. This is, depending on what we're talking about, $2,500 to $10,000. And we will help you define if this is something you want to move forward with. So really, it's part of the sales process, but there's a point it becomes paid for. And that was really tough, dude. That was... That's hard. You it was. You probably kick yourself. But we over. found ourselves giving it away. The yeah. sales process was becoming. Well, great. I'm educating you on all the things you know because I know it. You don't know it. I just made you smarter, and you're going to go off and do it on your own. Which that's okay. That's a choice. Um, you're going to compete with me. Okay. You're going to go with somebody else. Okay. But I gave you value, so I'm going to charge for that. Yeah. And I think that's the part that you go. Okay. Like you kick yourself because you didn't charge him, but you kick yourself if you lost the business because you did say I'm going to charge you. And it's like, it, I mean, sales is so hard. But it's a great filter. It, it, yeah. the, here's the one I didn't realize. I mean, I kind of knew it, but I didn't until we lived it is it's your qualifying tool to qualify that prospect. Are you guys serious? If they're serious about what we're offering on a bigger scale, a $10,000 short-term engagement to help them define the problem and answer questions. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. If that's too big for them, they're not a real project prospect for bigger services yeah. so there, there we go make the decision right there it makes it so much easier yeah so that's a good that's a really good point now i guess a, a follow-up off of that and i'm going to go on the extreme other end of the version let's say that you're doing a big project how are you evaluating whether you are effective in your job and consulting them oh that's good um it's a tough one because in a consulting role, depends on where, if we're involved in the actual implementation and deployment of stuff, that can be entirely different. It can be strictly consulting where it's helping to define a problem and then you watch your client not listen to a thing you said and go off and do stupid things. Bend down a lot of those, uh, all kinds of those. So was that successful? Man, I struggle with that one to this day. I think when we've looked at those that were failures in that way, um, we kind of go, did we do all the steps? And I'm a big believer in constant improvement of, of challenging ourselves. We want to, we talk about going 10 for 10. I want to go 10 for 10. I want to be able to solve 10 athlete problems, 10 organizational problems that are presented to us. And when we can't, we try to go grow new skill or see if we need to go grow new skills. Uh, with that said, if we put in those efforts and we keep that process, I can call it a success. But um, I think the bigger thing that jumps in my mind when you ask me that is about having frameworks and processes. I, I, I sometimes feel like I sound like a broken record when I talk to that, about that to people. But when you go do this, if you're just sitting down and going, oh, okay, he asked me this and I'm just going to throw solutions at him. Uh, dude, you're failing. It sucks. I'm sorry. It's about how you go through the process. Do you have a way of problem solving? Do you, let me jump back. Do you first 
well, and, and here it is, I guess, to answer this, here, here's what I think about. First, I want to seek to understand. And so that means before I even start answering the questions, I got to figure out if they have the right question. Because a lot of people aren't asking the right questions at all. Then I got to even jump back farther because the right questions depend on understanding them, their context, the, the constraints, the culture of the organization or the sport, right? They all have different, I mean, within a different sport, you have culture. The culture of football is definitely or generally different than the culture of soccer, which is different than the culture of fencing. But then different teams have different cultures, constraints in the business. So this is all to answer your question in that I can look, did we do our things and try to do them well? Did we seek to understand or did we miss pieces? And that became a bigger part of our process when we missed it. I've, I've missed that one big time. We walked in solving problems. We didn't consider the constraints, the culture, other stuff. Our problem, our answers were shit because we had not thought it through. So you got to go through that understanding. You got to define the problem right. You have to then do analysis. Um, and I like that part of the process or I like that organized, structured process of problem solving. And that for me came again from a business side and starting to look with like management consultant guys. We had a guy come in, shoot, I don't remember if he was from McKinsey or he was from Deloitte, but I was on a project years ago and we were trying to make heavyweight boxers. The premise was good large athletes in the US don't become boxers because it's tough and it's hard, but there's a lot of money in it. And the guy that funded this project loved boxing. So we were part of it on performance, on talent ID, on testing, uh, sports med, but they brought in some consultants from business who walked us through a real process and redefining the questions we were trying to solve. Going, what is a boxer? Dude, we had eight, I think we had seven or eight different elite world-class boxing coaches and they're all telling us different things about what a boxer is or what it should be. Then we have different stakeholders and going through a process, going through a structure. Oh, dude, that blew my mind. It was, it was a changing moment for me of how I approached programming, helping athletes, combine, whatever it was, it changed it, which again, led to changing how we valued this whole thing. So how do I judge if it worked? Did we follow our process? Did we improve it? When we're doing a debrief at the end, in all honesty, most bigger engagements should make us better. Yeah. Um, so that's how we judge in the end, because if I just judge it by the outcome, and look, most of this work has been in sports, so it's an outcome-based deal. It is, but we don't always get to control all the pieces. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. I mean, there's like, I'm thinking while you were talking, all the great resources out there, like Measure What Matters and The Goal and all these other really cool books and things, but you know, it's so funny. Uh, and I was, I joke about this with a lot of our like members that work in entertainment of like, just give me that shot. I'll be the John Tafferty of, of gyms and I'll be the gym rescue <laughs> guy. Right. And, um, yeah. and like, I just come in there and like, just see bad technique and coaches lazy and just sitting against the rack or sitting and eating a sandwich. I'm like, shut it down. Right. Um, and it's like, you, you watch it. It's a masterclass on just what not to do. Right. Like, you know, clean your room or, be professional or yeah. present your product in a consistent manner that's compelling and interesting and just you know just don't be an asshole really and it's like not that hard uh 
Yeah, but that's because you have a framework, though. You said you're saying it's not that hard, Tim. Well, it's not that hard when you're watching it from the outside. Okay, but but you know how to do it too. But so many people don't, though, dude. They're just doing stuff. I know. Their small business, their strength and conditioning program, their sports. They're just doing stuff. They haven't actually stepped back to really figure out why and how and is it sustainable and what do I change? Like, Uh, it's missing. No, I know. Uh, and the other one, really good book, a really good show was uh, Marcus Simonis is the Prophet. And then she says yes. a really great line, people process product, man. Like, and you just filter into those three things. Like, it do is. you have the right people? Do you have the right process? Do you have the right product? And, and like, I think so often when people ask for counsel or like, and like ask like these, these seemingly easy questions that you're like, come on, man, like that's like, how oh, should I, you know, like I, I like to do powerlifting, man, and my clients aren't changing their body comp or they're not like they're not they're not staying very long because they get hurt and like stop powerlifting like it's not hard or diversify do some other stuff like or i'm only attracting these kind of like asshole demographics that just drink bang energy drink or beats headphones and wear string bikini tank tops and like they're just dicks all the time like change your product like it's not that hard yeah but that's a question and a lot of people dude i'm it is one of the most the simplest but most common problems, and now I can say I've seen it worldwide in lots of different sports, and I'm talking lots of different sports, people don't question what they know and why they're doing it. If if we just promote curiosity and you say, why are we doing this? Why is that happening? Why are we getting this result? There needs to be a lot more, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard using five whys, right? Uh, Came out of Toyota's methodology. do five whys and it'll take you a long way. Have more curiosity. Um, define your problems different. I've, yeah, I, I've walked in far too many situations. I was thinking about walking into a team, a professional team, major sports team, and they brought me in to discuss maybe a project. Um, and they wanted to literally said, do sports science. Uh, I think this conversation went something like, we want to do some of that sports science stuff. We want to do some of that data. Great. Why do you want to do this? Well, because other teams are doing it. Well, why does that matter to you? And and this team was successful at the time. They had a run. They were doing really well. Well, why does that matter? And you keep, they had no freaking clue what they wanted or why they wanted to do it. And it was going to be a failing project because there was no way to define success or the outcomes. And it was one that I ended up walking away from because it was bad. It was going to be a disaster. So just being curious and asking questions will take you a long way. And by the way, that's all you got to do. If if I give you the simple version, be really good at asking questions and let the smart people around you figure out the answers. So you want to be a great consultant, get wonderful at breaking down problems, ask questions. You don't have to have answers. That's not the thing. And I think, you know, when we're talking about the consulting side, like for practitioners that want to go down this route, if you walk in having all the answers, you're probably going to be limited as a consultant yeah. because it's only going to fit in certain situations. You better be great at asking questions, analyzing stuff, and be good with people. Like those are key things. If something is failing and they ask for your advice, they want answers. If something is successful and they ask for your advice, they want questions. And I think that's the part that's, that's great. Yeah, really challenging to. And that's the thing I always ask, like our young coaches, like what. Well, why do you want to do this? I want to help people. And who do you want to work with? Elite level populations. Like, it's not congruent. They don't, they don't match. Like, elite level populations don't need your help. But the other end, if you really want to help people, if that's your why, there's a, 
billions of people all across the world who could use your just consistency and your empathy and uh, your compassion and just saying every day, like, you're doing a great job, keep going. Like, they could use that. And it's not, like, sexy. It's not, not like, a, it's not going to get you any kind of, like, strength conditioning awards out there. But I'll be damned. You can make good money and you can help You can make good money and you can have a big impact. Yeah. Look, uh, if you want to get the big awards or the social media accolades, go create controversies. Okay. Just forget about context or anything else. Just create controversies or go try to create, which uh, Tim is one of my biggest peeves. Creativity is crucial. I get excited about it. It's something I've tried to learn tons on, but the idea that so many people are trying to create something new is a joke. Everybody wants to innovate and create. Dude, terrible approach to doing most of this. Instead, why don't you iterate small steps and make it better? Or why don't you translate, take something that works in one place and move it to another? But creating new stuff? Yeah, everybody's doing it on social media with five new exercises for something that you don't need to do. So yeah, those are pet peeves though. I, I, I'm going down another path. <laughs> but to the point of that though, like it goes into the other, like again, those are just answers and those aren't really moving the needle to solving big problems. And if you have nothing in terms of a pre and post-mortem or a like a debrief and you're going, was these things that we suggested effective or not, you really have no impetus to change or grow or evolve as a consultant or a coach or anything. And I think that's the part too. And like, let's say that the person listening to this goes, okay, shoot, like I know Ken's really looking at big projects and he's got a lot of experience and he can bring a lot of value in a lot of other areas. And, and they go from there of like, I'd like to be able to consult professional sports teams or, you know, international Olympic committees and have this big reach and influence. And you're thinking about it, what would you bring in terms of value? You're going to walk in there like, hey, I got three years of experience as a personal trainer and I did this base program with everybody for the three years. And it was like this law of averages where 50% of the people it worked really well for 25, really, really well and 25, not so good. But that's just being consistent. Like I, I'm the best at doing this generic scripted program with regardless who's in front of me. That doesn't necessarily correlate to you being able to give wisdom and advice and insight for how I'm going to run my business and how I'm going to help me. And if I, if I need your counsel, I don't like we were talking about with hiring coaches. I don't need your programming experience. I need you. I need you as a person and your interpersonal skills and your ability to, to oh, yeah. bring creativity to problem solving, not to solutions that we already have. Like give me outcomes as opposed to solutions. And then we can have a better conversation. Which, yeah. But you said it right there too. Look, even go back to, somebody willing to do a debrief. It's probably one of those simple things where, look, if you've been in a business or a military setting or you have some different perspectives, a debrief should is, is always happening. Um, doesn't happen nearly enough in what we do. And that, whether that's a debrief after somebody's rehab, right? Okay, we saw them for the last three months on stuff. Did they get the outcome they needed it, on their weight loss, on their fitness, on our performance of the season? Debriefs need to happen a lot more. And, it takes curiosity. You have to have an environment where you can do that. But I fund, so one of the things I hire for, one of the things I look for is curiosity. It is the, one of my top skills you have to have. If you don't have curiosity, fine. There might be a place for you as a, it's gonna sound horrible, but as a cog, as a piece, if you have no curiosity, you can serve a great function, that's okay. But you're not gonna contribute to coming up with solutions, solving problems. You're not. Okay. Uh, you gotta have some degree of curiosity. 
So I think that's so missing. And it's one of those things that, again, for me, looking at the business consulting world and those things, it's got to be there, man. And I think fundamentally in itself, I would say that too. Too many coaches, too many therapists, they only look within our space. They look to other strength coaches and speed guys and sports medicine people. Have some more curiosity. Go find out about entertainment. Go find out about business. Go find out about military team operations and how they create cohesive units. Go learn about other stuff and you will be building new skills and become more valuable. Get out of your own realm. Um, so this is my last question for you, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it gets you on your heels a little bit. So you got you just started Vibe, and it's a all-in recovery center. Uh, trying to scale it, put your consultant hat. What advice are you giving yourself right now about starting your business and running your business? Yeah, it's it's a something I tried to do, and I catch myself disagreeing with my consultant self regularly. Mm. Um, it, it's, and my first business partner at Velocity saw us talk about this. Okay. Right now I got on my coaching hat. Great. So I'm talking about coaching and product. Okay. Get that off, put on your business hat. And I try to do that. I step back on semi-regular basis, maybe not as much as I should. I can go as a consultant. What would I do? Um, listen to my input from clients. So right now we're going through this vibe recovery, which is a the wild west, you think fitness is a weird business, recovery isn't even worth business right now. Incredibly trendy, lots of stuff happening. But we are, I have my, the consultant me keeps telling me, listen to the clients. There's people asking us for stuff that we didn't want to do or we don't want to do. And so we have to keep stepping back and going, should we be doing it? Are we missing something here? Do we have to change the business? And that puts in conflict our preconceived ideas our ego, the things we like, I mean, just really clear biases we have with what the market's asking for and we got to keep going. Where do we change that? So the consultant me keeps telling the uh, emotional regular business owner me to don't get too caught up and start listening better. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's something I struggle with every day. Like it's the noise effect of, you know, the, the customer that's coming in repeatedly, that's going to stay and, you know, championing you, like giving you endless list of feedback and you go, okay, it's just noise here. Like you just want it to be more malleable to their needs, right? Like they want to have their preferred slot. They want to have you know, <laughs> this aspect. They want to have it like personalized to their wants and, you know, not necessarily their needs. And like, like great, like your feedback is heard, but it's going to go right into the other million other things of feedback you've given me versus the other person that gave you feedback of here's why I'm not giving you my business. And here's why I don't really resonate with what you're doing. And you're like, okay, that's hard to hear, but that is a little different effect than the person that's like, and always like, I love the, I love the preface of, you know, I love it here and I care about you. So I want to give you this feedback. Like, no, you want it to be, you're self-serving right now. Like you're giving yeah. yourself like, yeah. and it's fine. And I appreciate your business and your, your needs. I just have to evaluate that relatively speaking to hundreds of other people that I'm servicing. And I have to decide whether that like small, seemingly small change for you is going to be a big macro change for everybody else versus yeah. repeatedly too much money or you don't have this option or your schedule really doesn't work for me. And that's constant. Like, 
all right, we got to reconfigure how we organize this and structure this. Oh, dude, it's a tough balance between, because if you don't have principles, right? If you don't have your core beliefs and principles, dude, you're going to be lost. You're going to, every time the wind changes, you're going to be blown off course. At the same time, you have to hold loosely, I believe, some of the ways you want to fulfill those principles. So your principles aren't going to be changing, but how we fulfill them. So it's a constant battle, but I've, I've had to learn over years, I would say, if clients keep asking to give us money for something that we're not offering, and that's been a couple times, yeah, we need to see if it lines up with our principles. All right, great. Throw out some of the other details and let's, let's consider it at least. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's awesome, <laughs> well, Ken, I appreciate you taking the time, man. And I think this is a cool topic and something that again, like we're just not having a lot of conversations about and no. you know, just, uh, I, I think one of the cool things that we can kind of hopefully get across for all these messages is, is trust me, if you're kind of thinking about it, if you're going through it, someone had to start somewhere that's already doing it. And, you know, you and me, like we had to have those, like, you know, those inflection points in our own personal life and careers that we had to make that decision. Like, should I charge for this or should I think about this in a different way, which hopefully is resonating. So Appreciate your wisdom. Appreciate your insight, man. This was really cool. And, and just thank you for transparency, man. But appreciate it, man. Um, we'll have all your stuff between Vibe and Velocity Sports Performance and where to find you. So and I'm sure you're going to get hit up by a couple of people out there who want to pick your brain some more. So of hopefully we can, we can send some folks your way as well. All right. Well, I appreciate you, Ken. Thank you so much for hopping on. All right. Thanks, Tim.